Welcome to Composer Quest. I'm Charlie McCarran, a composer in Minneapolis, and I started this show to get insights into how other composers and songwriters work. For other episodes and more about these artists I interview, you can go to ComposerQuest.com. This episode, I talk with Whitaker Trebella, a video game composer who writes mostly for iPhone games. He explains how basically all the composing gigs he gets come straight from social media sites like Twitter and Reddit. We also get to hear him produce a video game theme on the spot, and he shares some tricks you can use in your own productions. So I have to apologize in advance for the less than stellar audio quality. Since Wit lives in Chicago, we had to record our conversation through Skype. But it was a good talk, so I hope you enjoy. Wit, welcome to Composer Quest. Thank you. I'm here with Whitaker Trebella. He is a video game composer and a friend of mine from high school who I actually haven't talked to in person since high school either. So this will be a fun conversation. Was it seven years now or something? No, probably more than that. Wait, 2004. So, oh my God, seven years? No. No, it's <laughs> nine years. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. What have you been up to this whole time? Well, went to college, majored in music ed. Currently, I'm teaching high school music production and guitar and piano, and then elementary, kindergarten, third, and fifth general music. What do you do in production class? Um, basically, teach Logic Pro and GarageBand to kids and just how to compose music, how to arrange music, and how to edit it, and audio, and all that stuff. And on the side, besides music teaching, I also do music for games, mostly iPhone games. How did you start getting into the video game composing business? The first time that I ever thought about doing it was I went to this music education conference a couple years ago and Michael Salvatore, one of the composers on Halo, was there and he gave a talk and anyone who knows me probably knows that I'm obsessed with Halo. It's like my favorite big AAA studio game. I've always been a fan and ever since the first one and I still play <laughs> I still play Halo 4 now a lot. And so I was just really inspired by it thinking that this guy wrote music for it. He actually went to the high school I teach at in Elmhurst, Illinois, which is cool. So I came up after and talked to him just for like a couple minutes and just inspire me to thinking like, why can't I do music for games? So I unfortunately had no connections at all for anything like that. So I thought, what's the best way to get into this? And the way I kind of decided on was through iPhone games, just because there's so many developers all the time making new apps and there's so many different skill levels. So there's developers starting from scratch, there's developers who are pros, but so I, I had no idea what the industry was like or anything. I started my Twitter account and tried to start getting connections. I found this game that I had actually already even had on my phone called Tilt to Live, one of my favorite iPhone games. But I noticed that they only had one song in the game itself. And I reached out to them and said, hey, do you guys need any more music? And they said, well, we're not sure. Maybe we will add it in the future. And... I had a couple samples up on my site, and they said they liked them, but they weren't really sure what they needed me for. 
So I contacted him again about a month later, and I just did a 30-second sample of music totally out of the blue, not because they asked me to. So I sent it to him, and they actually ended up asking me to do a full song. So you have to be really especially proactive at first, reaching out. And they weren't the only ones I reached out to. I reached out to a lot of people, but they were the first ones who helped me out in terms of getting my name out there because Tilt to Live is still critically acclaimed and and it's still getting me jobs occasionally, people who like the music. So Cool. And I mean, making money wasn't your intention, but I'm I'm sure people are wondering, do you see some profits eventually then after or is it kind of a volunteer thing? I've done lots of different revenue schemes. I mean, when I first was starting out, I did some stuff for free. I don't recommend doing it for a long time. But if you have absolutely no credits in anything, you kind of need to do it for free because no one's going to really trust you. Unless you already have a good reputation or you just have a really good website with really good samples. But in terms of money, though, yeah, I, I did a couple things for free. The first full song I ever did for the entire song, it took me a lot of work. It was a couple minutes long. I think that was ended up being like 100 bucks, just flat fee. Eventually, I realized that flat fees for songs were not very good because it could take a very different amount of time depending on how complex it was and things like that. Some people like to work by finished minute of music, but I've tried that. And I don't really like that way because one minute of music can take me three hours, can take me five hours, take me one hour. It doesn't it depends? So I now do hourly, and I found it's the best method for me and for the client too. Just because every we're all on the same page. If they want more iterations of a certain song, they know that it's going to cost a little more. Sure. Well, you better not show them your ten minute composition improv videos i think you can do everything that fast uh, yeah i was but, uh <laughs> i've actually thought about that but yeah would you want to uh, explain that a little bit yeah well i have a couple of quick prov videos where i just sort of create music as fast as i can and i sort of wanted to get a couple videos out there showing that i can be really efficient on logic and things like that um i will do a little quick prov thing for you right now awesome i'm just gonna do something totally random first thing that pops in my head i'll do three tracks uh, so first of all i'm gonna start with a little piano loop <laughs> ended up sounding a little bit more happy than i intended but it'll work all right, let's add a quick bass line to this. I'm just going to do an acoustic bass sound. I kind of chose some bass notes, and, and some of them I didn't love. So I'm going to change the second one. like how it's totally parallel going up. I'm going to do some contrary motion. So I'm going to bring it down. So for yeah, people who can't see exactly what you're doing, you're editing the MIDI, MIDI notes right now. Yes. Yes. 
I'm just gonna change the key to B flat so everything's higher up. What's your approach when you're writing bass lines? Well, the bass is one of the most important things, and that's why I was I'm talking about it here, just because it can totally change the chord. So I'm gonna analyze the notes in this second chord of the piano. So I have an A, a C, a D, and a G. A, C, D, and G. So next thing I do, if I'm trying to figure out a good chord, there could be a lot of chords that would sound good with this. If I put an F on the bottom, it becomes an F major 6. I could keep it as a B flat, then it would be a B flat major 9 chord. Of course, an A would work, so it would be like an A minor add 4. If I put a D on the bottom, it's now a D minor 7 chord add 4. I like that one a lot. I'm going to keep that. So let's see what it sounds like together. Maybe you could talk about like what you think about when you're choosing these chords to shade the melodies. Yeah. Uh, so for example, let's say I give this to some game developer. Uh, let's say their game is a sort of action game that's also dreamy. And let's say they come back to me and say, it's too dreamy, not enough action. So now I have to think about how can I make this a little bit more energetic? Maybe it's also too acoustic. Maybe they want it to be kind of video gamey sounding. So first step is to give it more of a chiptune-y sound. And in case you're not into like video game stuff, chiptune is just that classic sounding video game music based on the sounds that a computer chip can make. So I'm going to go overboard and make it really chiptune sounding. <laughs> oh, that's really loud. Um, I'm going to write... The first thing I notice is that listen to a note. It doesn't go away at all, whereas the piano fades out over time. So I'm going to fix that because otherwise it'll get really obnoxious. So in case you're interested, what that's called is there's decay and there's sustain. Sustain is the volume that a note stays at if you hold it long enough. A piano sustain is zero because over time it will fade out. Whereas an organ, if you hold it, it will go forever, theoretically. A decay is how long it takes for it to go away. So for example, now I just put a pretty high decay on and a sustain of zero. So it will fade out over time. It'll sound better. So now listen to a chord as opposed to this way less harsh in your face and also I can change the type of sound so it still has that chiptune sound it's less harsh and it fades out so now let's listen to the piano part from before now the bass we have here that's really intense so let's change the sample for that so now we have this Sometimes with bass, it's good to double it up with the same thing, just an octave lower. Instead of just this, it'll have this with that. And that's going to make it have a much fuller sound. So let's listen to these together. Next step, 
make it more energetic. So I'm going to speed it up. So the last thing I would do is add some drums to make it more energetic. Just for now, I'm just going to pick a drum set and use it. So I'm going to add uh, first hi-hat. Just create a short loop. And then let's add some kick and snare. And now, if everything went according to plan, now hopefully they will like that better. It's more video gamey and more action packed. There's of course tons of other ways to do this. You can add some more energetic background tracks, something like or whatever. Something to keep it going, keep that tension up. Could we hear how that would sound yeah. with those? Let's see. Let me just change the sound. So let's pick something different. I'm going to also make the decay shorter so that it goes away and it's more like a plucky sound. Oh, and also when you're doing chip tune stuff, you want to keep to as few voices as possible. If I do something like this... It doesn't sound as legit because a lot of those chips couldn't use as many voices. So I like to try to stick to around two voices or three if possible. Maybe you could talk about the history of that and how composers actually could only play one note at a time and they'd just have to be really creative about that. Yeah, like I mean, I'm not a chiptune history buff. I don't know a ton about it. But in terms of what I've learned from just listening... For example, instead of doing something like this, playing three notes at the same time, there are ways to get around it. For example, instead of playing it as a block chord, I could play it as an arpeggiation. So you can hear that in a lot of old video games. Like the amazing thing to me in those old games is when they can have a melody and harmonies going at the same time, even though they're not playing at the same time. Ever. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I haven't really done that much. Usually I, I just make a harmony track and say whatever. <laughs> but all right, let me just record this background thing here. Each one of these is a chord of two notes. If I select the top note of each and move them over a 16th note, and now we'll sound like this. I love doing this. And this actually ends up sounding even more like the classic chiptunes, kind of like I was talking about, where things can only have one voice at a time. So let's listen back to the original. All dreamy. Now, I may have gone too energetic, but here's the other way. More video gamey and more action-packed. Cool. 
writing for video games, of course, it's a little bit different than normal composition because you have to think about it looping. Like right now, this sample loops. I could. It's way too short for a game. It would get annoying. But yeah, uh, that's and, what I was actually going to ask you about. Is how do you keep a loop of music interesting and not annoy people and make them want to turn off the music in their game? Part of that is up to the developer. If if they ask for a ten second piece of music that's sort of just bound to get annoying so I recommend one minute at least um, preferably two if they want it to actually sound like a good piece of music and not get annoying but also it needs to have at least three different sections to it if there's just one section of music over and over it's going to get really annoying how do you balance like having a uh, melody or having more ambient because I feel like a melody, if it's catchy, is good for the game, but it's could also get way yeah. too catchy. That's true. And also, sometimes I go overboard and go crazy with a melody. One time I did, actually, when I was writing the song for Tilt to Live, the one called Code Red, I had this crazy guitar riff stuff in there, like complex melody with lots of crazy solos. And I thought it was awesome. Like, I was really happy with it, but I sent it to them and they said it was just too overbearing. It, it got in the way. It got annoying. And so it, it killed me to do, but I, I cut out the melody, cut out all the little extra solo riffs and just kept more of the bass stuff. And they were totally right. Like listening to it in the game, it gives you that feel of wanting to keep playing more and it kind of just has this background ambience instead of being this thing that's trying to call for your attention all the time. As a composer, I usually want to add a melody, um, but sometimes it's important to think about what else is going on when your music is playing. Yeah. How do you approach video game music versus composing traditional music? To be honest, I it's funny. I've talked to some people who say writing for video games has made them lose their interest in composing. They need to go back to just composing for composing's sake. I'm the exact opposite. I don't know. Maybe it's because I like having my names and credits. I don't, I don't know what it is. But for some reason, I just can't be motivated nearly enough to write music unless it's attached to a video game or something like that. Composing on my own, sometimes it's overwhelming. It's like looking at a blank piece of paper. Whereas if a developer gives you a certain mood and a, and a type of music they want... It's like giving you an essay to write with the first paragraph already written or something. Yeah. Well, it's also cool playing your game, Polymer, because you had complete control over that. You coded it, and you got to write the music, too. How did you approach that musically? The music was, in a way, the most stressful part of creating Polymer, just because Everyone knew me as a composer already. I had been doing music for games for, what, a year then? And I had some music in some cool games. Um, but no one had ever played a game of mine, so no one was expecting my game to be amazing, but everyone knew me as a musician. So there was kind of this pressure built in. So um, I saved it for last. The only thing I knew was that I wanted it to be very, very soothing. 
because of the type of game it was, I tried to go for a really chill, mellow feeling. And so I just tried a lot of different things. There were a lot of rejected songs that I liked, but I just didn't think would sound good on a loop or wouldn't fit well with the game. And you can hear some of those on the actual soundtrack on the um, Bandcamp site. It's W-T-R-E-B-E-L-L-A dot Bandcamp dot com. Okay, so I opened up a Polymer track, and I'll just kind of break it down. This song is one that actually went in the game, and this is probably the most soothing one. It's made up of a basic chord progression. In terms of chord progression numbers, it's, and this is based on a major diatonic scale, it goes one, six, two, four. So it's a very simple chord progression, and here I'll show you just the bass and the main background keyboard part, so you can hear how that goes together. Very, very sparse. I wanted to leave a lot of space, um, not try to pack it in with lots of stuff. Here's the sixth chord. Next is the two chord, A flat minor. The keyboard part is just outlining bits of the chord. And there's the four chord. It's a little bit too sparse though, so I added in this background thing that just kind of fills it out. hardly notice it but it's just something that establishes some movement so after that first part I add in very simple drums after that I add in a uh, melody the melody I was happy with it and I could have just kept going with the same layers but I feel like it needed to be intensified a little bit more so I added a couple other things I added this another uh, really low bass just to kind of give it some more grounding and then also this moving piano in the background I like to just slowly layer more and more as I go so now this is the difference. I'm going to start a measure before that stuff comes in. So it's getting even more full layering. It's not just repeating the same thing. The melody is also basically an improv that I did. Um, I didn't plan it out ahead of time. could have done is not have connected the end of the song to the beginning and if you don't have any connectors it sounds like this 
harsh switch back to the beginning. So what I did is I added these connectors in here. So for example, there's this one. So it kind of finishes its melodic idea. The chimes finishes its melodic idea. The keyboard plays two last chords, and then so does that keyboard. So those are all kind of tails at the end of your song that follow through and then start at the beginning again when you loop it. Yep. For example, I'm going to put these at the end of the song and cut everything else out. And you'll see now it actually is a way to end it. But basically, that stuff is going to be overlapping the intro. Now, it sounds kind of weird at first because when you start the song, it has all of those tail ends. But this way, it'll loop like this. This is the end. And the goal is to make it as seamless as possible. If it's not seamless, it usually sounds really bad and the loop is noticeable and you really don't want that. Yeah. Well, another thing about Polymer that's kind of cool is your sound effects for when you clear one of the puzzle pieces. It actually becomes part of the song because it's kind of a tone. How did you decide what tones to use for those? (laughs) Well, it's funny. I made some tones out of, I think it's a... Celesta sound as well as uh, Glockenspiel sound combined. Here's the Celesta by itself. Here's the Glock by itself. And then together. So I have about, let's say, 15 sounds spanning at least a full octave in the chromatic scale. that many sounds. I just exported them all, dragged them into my project. And then in my code, I made some functions that could pick a note based on a key. So each song has a specific key. Like the one song I was showing you was in G flat major. So in my code, I say play note in key, and then I input G flat major. And then it returns to me a note that fits with this diatonic scale. So one of these. Whatever song is playing, I tell it to pick a note within that key, and it'll fit. Well, that's cool how you, being the designer of the game, too, you have the chance to code and then make your music yeah uh, it's integral part of the the piece it's a little thing that not many people would think about obviously if they don't have music background but i i didn't plan on it at first i just had my music in there and i had i don't know what they were i think they were like a c major scale i quickly noticed though while i was playing the game how awful it sounded for example The goal of this music was to give you a really calm, cozy feeling, and those harsh dissonances just totally took me out of it, so I just had to (laughs) change them to fit. Sure. Well, do developers ever ask you for anything like that? Like, let's say, 
someone's approaching a boss and they want to have this Mm -hmm. intense music fade in. Yeah, I've actually never done anything like that for the most part. I've never really done much procedural music generation with other developers. Could you define that? What you just... Yeah, I've never heard that term. Procedural music... What did you call it? I don't know if that's official term, but basically in programming, when you say something is procedurally generated, it means that it's created when the app is being played. Like, for example, um, if you've heard of the game Spelunky, the levels in that game are procedurally generated, meaning it's different every time you play. You're never going to play the exact same dungeon. And so when I say procedurally generated music, I just mean that you can change the music in code. If you have a full song, back to our old one. If I have a full song, obviously they can't make any changes besides volume. But let's say I give the developer each track. I give him this one. This one. That one. And that one. Then they could they have those five tracks, and in code, they could actually choose which ones to play at runtime. So, like you were saying, if there's a boss coming up, let's say um, maybe they're just in a normal level right here. Maybe time starts running out. And then a boss, a boss is getting closer. then you arrive at the boss. So, yeah, I, I've actually never done anything like that with, with a developer. I think it'd be fun. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's how you just give them separate tracks, let them kind of code it in. One thing that's hard about that, though, is at least on the programmer's side of things, is making sure everything's in sync. Because um, you could, if you're not careful, you could easily get into problems of things like um, moving everything out of sync. So it'd be like this. Suddenly your music sounds totally off. Yeah. I feel like it would work a little better if the tracks are rhythmless, ambient tracks. True. That's a good point. What's the community of video game composers like? I've found it awesome. I... There's a ton of really, really cool people. There's uh, a couple in Chicago that I've gotten to know. But uh, most of my communications are through Twitter. And that goes for not just video game musicians, but game developers, musicians, artists, everything. I've gotten to know so many awesome people through Twitter, most of whom I haven't even met yet in person. I've also gotten a bunch of music jobs through Twitter. So it's a great, great opportunity What would you say is some good advice for someone who wants to start composing video game music and they don't have any contacts online? Yeah, first step, kind of like I was saying before, just offer to do something for free. Some people would probably disagree with me saying you should never work for free, but I think it's important the first thing. Once you have just one credit, I think you can start charging. But you need to have something just to prove that you're legit. (laughs) Another good thing is if you go onto Reddit's game dev site, reddit.com slash r slash g-a-m-e-d-e-v, game dev, you can post your music there. Sometimes people do that, and they a lot of times get good feedback and sometimes get people interested in using their work. 
Another one is, uh, I think it's Game Classifieds on Reddit. There's lots of different sites, but I'd say Reddit is one of the best and most active ways to find people. Also, like I said before, have a website, even if it's simple. Have a professional-looking website where you have really good samples that are easy to access and also have a good variety of work. Like, Don't have all epic orchestral scores. Have maybe one orchestral thing, one chiptune, one acoustic guitar, medley, you know, whatever your strengths are. But try to show that you have a broad range of abilities. And, and also, people, especially on the internet, have very low patience. So having one thing to send to someone is great. So having a two-minute demo reel, that's all they have to listen to. They can get a good idea of uh, what your work is like immediately. Cool. Well, another category of advice. How do you go about teaching students how to produce music? from scratch depends on their skill level with music in general like i teach some students who have literally never played an instrument have no idea what a note is or anything students like that i start with garage band apple loops i say pick a drum loop drag it here pick a piano loop drag it here and so on and the great thing about apple loops is that they will always fit together so i don't have to worry about teaching them theory at first and they won't get frustrated right away either because it sounds good. Once they get the basics of dragging Apple Loops together and trying to form a basic song, then I start talking about the basics of like a pentatonic scale, which is a five-note scale. That way, even if they don't really understand it, it'll still sound good. Notes will still work together. That's cool, though, because I, I feel like that would be an awesome tool if I was young and just starting learning oh, yeah. music. I, I really wish I could have had it in high school. I I didn't start learning logic until maybe two or three years ago. These high school kids are making songs way better than so many other people who are so much older than them, and they're just, just in high school. So I can only imagine what they can do if they keep it up. Yeah. I haven't heard of any other high schools teaching production. Yeah, it's not it's not common at all. Well, I guess, do you have any composing tips in general for people? I guess the only one I can really think of right now is when I think too much, I get into trouble sometimes. And I see this with my students a lot where they'll sit there for like 20 minutes thinking, I don't know what to do. And I'll come by and say, what's wrong? They're like, I don't know. Every idea I have sucks. But my main thing is just record it and we'll come back to it. So let's say, um, like for example, I'm just going to literally not even use any theoretical knowledge. I'm just going to record random note. This is an example I use with students a lot where I just record random notes and make it into something cool. So I'm going to add a basic drum set to it. I'm going to then quantize it, which means fit it to a certain beat. So I'm going to fit it to eighth notes. So now it sounds like this. So totally trashy, crappy thing that I recorded starts to sound cool if you add some cool rhythm to it. And of course, hopefully they put more thought into it than just banging the keys. But the point is... Don't spend too much time trying to think of ideas. Uh, the first thing I like to do when I sit down is literally just put my hands down on the piano and play the first thing I think of. 
I'd say nine times out of ten, I usually end up using that idea in some way in my song. Yeah, that's cool. I like doing that too. I mean, recording gives you the freedom of you mm-hmm. can tweak things and even if you have a junky idea at first. Yeah, that's true. I, I never compose in a like Sibelius or Finale setting really unless I'm doing something. Well, no, I never do. I, it never starts there for me. It never starts with notation because I think the way I see it, that's the way you write it down at the end. That's not how you think of the idea. And I think if you try to think of it from that end of things, you're going to be stuck a lot more. If I just looked at an empty sheet of music, I would run out of ideas so quickly. Whereas if I'm just sitting at the piano and trying different things, experimenting, I'll come up with a lot more ideas. I always kind of wonder what would have happened um, if someone brought a laptop back to like the <laughs> 1600s or 1700s. I always think would, about that too. I would love it. Like, would Beethoven be making dubstep? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure even those guys didn't start with the idea on the paper. I mean, like with Mozart, he just, you know, just popped into his head. That was just their way of getting it down and out into the world. I've always thought, too, about like wondered what Mozart would think of John Coltrane or what Bach would think of Skrillex. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Uh, it would just be so funny. Yeah. Well, it was great talking to you again, Wit. Thanks for being here. No problem. It was very fun. I haven't been able to... Oh, no, it's amazing. Before I did this, I thought, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to talk about, but it's amazing how much I can talk about when I'm thinking about what I do normally with music. I don't really realize how much thought goes into it. Yeah. It's really fun to kind of break it down and think about what I actually am doing. Yeah. I feel like we could keep talking for a a while longer, uh, but maybe we'll have to have you back. Sure. In the future. Thanks for the invite. Sure. All right. Best of luck to you, Wit. Thanks, Charlie. See you later. Well, thanks for joining me on this episode of Composer Quest. For more of Whitaker's music, you can visit wtrebella.com. That's W-T-R-E-B-E-L-L-A.com. I'll leave you with this theme that Wit wrote for the game Tilt to Live. It's one of my favorites, called Frostbite. <laughs>